0: find. Try this from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbocyclib. iBrandt's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrands and visit iBrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs both of these can lead to death tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms including trouble breathing shortness of breath cough or chest pain before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever chills or other signs of infection liver or kidney problems are or plan to become pregnant or are breastfeeding Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash and loss of appetite.
5: You know, I watch the show now and I think about people who can't watch the show because they can't watch the show and not think about everything else. And, you know, obviously that's not my experience but that's got to suck for those people and then it just it also sucks because you know it's such a wonderful show
4: can't give everything away but that was my guest Malcolm Jamal Warner my childhood crush also known as Theo on the Cosby show talking about Bill Cosby we get into it more after the break
3: Terms and conditions apply.
6: Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. champion Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. In a world where vulnerable considered weak Come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific Life altering events to shape the person that you hear We got a champion and carry champion, they girl you did it It's the greatest in sports and entertainment, connecting with it? Every champion and carry champions to be a champion Got a champion and carry champion, they girl you did it Got a champion and carry champion
4: happy new year i think i'm right under the 15 day moratorium you can only say happy new year up until january 15th who made that up i did uh i was watching an episode of (laughs) curb your enthusiasm my favorite show one of my favorite shows and the and you can't say happy new year in february You barely can get away with saying it at the end of January. But Happy New Year, you guys. Thank you for hanging in with us uh, on Naked. We have uh, been on a bit of a break, as you all have been. And I'm really excited to inform you that the podcast is up and running and living its best Black life with great guests, great insight, um, and a lot of freedom just to be naked and share. Uh, I think... I don't know about y'all, but this past holiday season was a little scary for me because of the Omicron. I, I was like, no, I'm not trying to go outside. I felt myself wanting to be inside. But then I made peace with the fact, whether you want to believe this or not, this particular variant, as the the black folks call it, the Omerion, is very contagious, but not as deadly, which is great in, t- in terms of we're not losing people. But i made peace with the fact that COVID is just a part of... I will be a part of our lives for a while. I've made peace with that. I hope you have, too, because there's only so much you can do. You just got to be responsible. And I think this is one of the first times in our world. Excuse me. That's not true. Uh, This is arguably one of the first times where I really feel like we are our brother's keepers. I mean, we really have to be responsible. We have to make sure that if we are going to hang out with people, that we are trying to be safe um, If we're going to visit family and friends who are older and more susceptible, we are trying to be safe and we got to be honest about what we're doing. We can't be out here in the streets and then tell people, oh, no, I don't think I have COVID. Well, you haven't got tested, have you? Or if you feel a way, tell people, um, don't be embarrassed. There is no shame. If you have COVID, call the people that you have seen and said, guess what? I have COVID. Um, that's the only way I think if we're honest about what this is, that we're going to be able to get this under control because uh I tell you, I had to make peace with it. So that was what my holiday season was about. I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday, got all the things that you wanted. Our guest today, our guest today, Malcolm Jamal Warner. Y'all know Malcolm Jamal Warner? Now, if you were like me, and I did mention this to him, if you're like me, I had a hardcore crush on Theo when he was on The Cosby Show. He was everybody's boyfriend. He's 51 years old now, but he still looked like Theo from The Cosby Show. And here's the even better news about Malcolm Jamal Warner. He is truly solid. You often hear that child stars have all these issues and they never come around and they can't settle themselves. And you've seen, you've seen the horror stories of child stars, right? Uh, he literally grew up on TV and he credits his parents, his mother people around him with that sensibility that helped him understand that you, you need to be on a straight and narrow you can see how he go the other way in this, this crazy town called Hollywood uh, he has a show now called The Resident I don't know if you guys watch it he loves it because he gets to play a jerk and he's like this is my favorite part I'm a doctor that's a jerk because he's naturally a good guy it sounds that way I don't know him well but it seems that way and so this is fun for him. Now, let me not bury the lead. Let me just be honest with you guys. There's a generation of people right now that I am friendly with that probably didn't understand the significance of The Cosby Show, right? You you youngins, maybe in your 20s, didn't understand the significance of The Cosby Show. And I'm going to be really serious for a moment. For Black people, it was life-changing. For a little girl like me, it was life-changing. To see Felicia Rashad, who was an attorney on the show, right, Theo's mom, Claire Huxtable, giving you character names to watch her in all her elegance. And I remember there was episode two where she was speaking fluent Spanish. I was like, "Uh uh-uh, done. Look at this beautiful Black woman, elegant, smart, loving, a mother, a wife. It, It was foreign to me. It really was. Not that my mother wasn't all of those things, but this woman carried a certain je ne sais quoi that everyone could just see, and it leaped off the camera. And then her husband was this amazing doctor, and they lived in this big house, and their kids were great and amazing. And in my mind, I was like, oh, the American dream. That show, for me, described the American dream for black folks. Did y'all feel that way? So you have to understand, That when Bill Cosby went to jail and all the stories come out about how he was raping women, he would be holding them hostage. And he and these are all things that he was found guilty of. He became, sadly, uh, a pariah. And it then changed the significance of The Cosby Show for another generation, but not for me. And I have to tell you that because that image of seeing Black excellence was first really, for me, personified on The Cosby Show. I know people feel a way about Bill and think a way about Bill. Hell, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't. But I do want you to understand on this episode, we get into it. I don't go too deep, but I ask him about Bill Cosby and his relationship. And you have to understand that there is nuance here. And you can put things in different buckets, and they can be mutually exclusive, and two things can be true at once. I hope that makes sense. We start off talking to Malcolm Jamal Warner about his career, about being a child star, and how he was able to survive. Welcome back from the holidays, and welcome to this edition of Naked. Here's Malcolm Jamal Warner... On
6: stardom
5: when i was you know when i was growing up and during that whole time there was so much of that attention that i uh you know i, I just took for granted like it's, it's automatic um and it was one of the things that that gave me a very grounded perspective on the whole celebrity thing because i understood well anyone who has a tv show out a hit movie or hot song they're going to get the same uh reaction or they do get the same reaction from women so you know i always kind i always kept in perspective because i got okay that goes along with the territory um whereas now though i still hold that as true but you know it's not a you know because now i'm dealing with you know, i'm a, i'm i'm an adult my uh, A lot of that fan base, um, you know, are adults as well, so it doesn't uh, my reception of it now, I don't take it as, oh, just a uh, you know, uh, it's just a teenage fan thing. Like now, I feel like people who who watch my work and enjoy what I do and have grown with me, it feels more substantive, if that makes sense. You know, the reality is I have been on television uh, since I was 11 years old. You know, you know, I'm very conscious of the whole the whole thing, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and especially during that time when, you know, it's, it was the norm for uh, a kid in this business who is highly recognizable to just be off the chain. And the, and, and with that, you have to go back to the parents. Um, so I was very, there's a lot of work I've done, done myself, but I was very fortunate to have, uh, really wonderful parents and a mother who, uh, had no space to get caught up in the trappings of, 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 of Hollywood or trappings of success because her, um, you know, her main thing was, well, when this show was over, because this show can be over next year, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? I put 100% of the responsi- of the parental responsibility on the parent, because a lot of times the parent will live vicariously through the kid. Um, so if the parent has gotten caught up and has gone Hollywood, then there's no one there to give guidance and direction to the kid. And I'd say in, you know, uh, I do not know of a case where the parents uh, did their 100 percent parenting and the kids still came out uh, wayward.
4: Kudos to those who helped raise Malcolm, because the village that has kept him um, in the right frame of mind and obviously gainfully employed in a very fickle town called Hollywood has done an amazing job. You know, child stars, you we've seen the stories, right? Um, they don't last long. They overdose. They they turn into people that can't get jobs because they've never really been anything else but a child star. So they don't have a skill set. I mean, all of the things. And Malcolm uh, is not that person. And I asked him about what he learned about being a child star. And he said, you know, he learned a lot from Bill Cosby. Enter the two words that people don't like to say that you can't mention in public. There are some people who have been, quote unquote, canceled. Um, And there is, as I mentioned earlier, a generation of people who only know Cosby as the subject of a highly, highly publicized rape accusations. You're right. I'm having a hard time even getting it out. I'm trying to be careful with my words. But the reality is, is that Bill Cosby has been accused by famous and non-famous women of basically giving them drugs, drugging them and then raping them. Sexual battery Sexual misconduct, all of these things have been talked about for years, but quietly, no one's really done anything about it. But right around that Me Too movement, they were calling up receipts and he was one of the people that they went after. And as you well know, he went to jail. He was in jail, however, got out on a technicality because he was charged with a crime that he shouldn't have been charged with, right? I'm paraphrasing and I don't know all the particulars, but I do know that Bill Cosby, for many of you all, has become a name that you can't say in public or, or even say that you like The Cosby Show. When I was growing up, The Cosby Show reruns would be on all day long, right? And it was a thing of, I mean, to me, it was an honor. Did you guys watch The Cosby Show? Oh, you were a part of The Cosby Show? Bill Cosby's a great man. Felicia Rashad's a great woman. All of the things. And now, it's tight. So I asked Malcolm, as I dance around this with y'all, I asked Malcolm, how does it feel not to be able to talk to someone you consider a mentor and someone who was pivotal in changing your life?
5: Funny, I've, I've never said this publicly before. Um, it fucking sucks. Like 100 percent. It sucks. Like I watch my daughter's four and I. Uh, you know, she's discovered the Cosby show or she she calls it Rudy's family. And she knows it's me. She's like, that's Papa. Like she knows it's me, but she has no interest in Theo. She wants to fast forward through my scenes so she can see Rudy uh, or Olivia. And it's so, so one, it's very surreal watching the show with my daughter um, and being able to, now that I'm so far removed from the show, be able to enjoy it as a viewer and not judging or, 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 you know, critiquing my work. I can just be a viewer and, you know, watch the show from that perspective. Um, And so that's surreal in itself watching with my daughter. But, you know, I watch the show now and I think about people who can't watch the show because they can't watch the show and not think about everything else. And, you know, obviously that's not my experience, but that's gotta suck for those people. And then it just, it also sucks because, you know, it's such a wonderful show. It's such a, you know, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to, you know, say anything about the show. We all know what the show is. So it sucks that, you know, for a lot of people, it, experiencing the show doesn't have the same experience you know, I may you know, if I'm talking to, you know, whether it's an, whether it's an interview or I'm having a conversation with someone and there might be a you know, a story that comes up, like even, you know, just, you know, simply, you know, Mr. Cosby talking about it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like those gems and often when I have those, you know, when when I have those gems, uh, or or I recall those gyms in conversation, you know, I always credit the source, you know, from which I got it. So there was a time where in conversations, I would probably avoid, you know, either giving the gym or, you know, saying where I got it from. Whereas now I don't really, you know, I I don't care to avoid it because it takes too much of my energy to tiptoe around something because I'm not quite sure how this person is going to receive it. Like at this point, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care what you, you know, what your opinion is because it doesn't matter. Um, just like my opinion at the end of the day doesn't matter, you know? Um. So at this point, it's just something, you know, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I don't, I don't shy away from it. I don't try to sweep it under the rug. I don't throw under the bus. I don't defend, you know, it is what it is. And we all know. What it is, yeah, and 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 if you want to have authentic conversations, you know, then yeah, you you have to you have to you you can't tiptoe around it, and then and then it also it kind of you know for me it kind of gets straight to the point, like you know let's talk about this topic so we can see where each other is and we can we can move from there.
4: Well, that had to be tough, right? And it still has to be tough when this. This uh, The Cosby allegations became public and it was well known to the world um, that Bill Cosby was fighting for his life, essentially, and going to jail, ultimately, um, now released. Malcolm has said it over and over again. He was like, it's hard not to say that the legacy of Bill Cosby and The Cosby Show has not been tarnished. That was one of his responses. However, Rudy on the show, said something really smart. Keisha Knight Pulliam, when interviewed and talked about Bill Cosby, she said, I'm going to tell you why it's not tarnished, and I'm paraphrasing, what Bill Cosby did for HBCUs, because they were always highlighted on the Cosby show, and what he did for the culture and what images he presented, true or false, images he presented were always the gold standard. They were always of Black excellence in front of the camera. And so for that, we do understand that there was something special there. However, we are where we are today. And men can't be heroes. That's the way that I feel about it. Men can't always be heroes. Men are women in that sense. We're normal humans. We make mistakes. We do things wrong. We commit egregious crimes. We have evil hearts. The list goes on. And it's sad that someone who was so well-revered is now essentially in isolation, uh, shunned from society. And I, quite frankly, understand why. And I understand why Malcolm still holds him in a different space. But he also knows that there was wrong that was done. And that's why I was trying to tell you the two are not necessarily mutually exclusive, but they can be. Moving on to the pandemic.
5: So we shoot the resident in Atlanta uh, and uh, normally over high. So we'll shoot from July to April. And then normally from, you know, the end of April to, you know, beginning of July, we'll go back to L.A. and be home. Um, so when the pandemic happened, uh, our daughter uh, was two, you know, turning three. And with the whole, you know, the whole mass situation, the whole unknown we decided we were not going to go back to Los Angeles uh, because it just didn't, neither one of us could imagine trying to be on a four and a half hour flight with a toddler who's not going to keep a mask on and wants to touch everything and put everything in her mouth. So we, you know, we said we're just going to bite the bullet and stay in Atlanta. Um And, you know, our, you know, our friends, our family, our life is in LA. So being in Atlanta and, you know, during this, uh, you know, the whole shutdown and quarantine situation. It gave the three of us, um, you know, just wonderful time to be together and be a family. And, you know, my daughter's used to me going to work and being home all day. I mean, you're being at work all day. So for her, she was in sheer heaven because she had mama and and papa all day every day so when she woke up at 7 30 bleary eye saying papa play with me play with me papa and literally because we didn't we weren't using a, a, a nanny right so literally from 7 30 in the morning when she woke up till 8 30 nine o'clock at night yeah. <laughs> man oh my gosh we, we went and got an an above the ground pool because we couldn't go to the splash pad anymore. So we made it work and it was, it was a beautiful time just for us to, to bond and and be able to. And, you know, I'm, even when I'm working, I'm, I'm a very present husband and father. Um, but to, you know, be able to be that 24 seven and not have to, you know, go off to work and be at work all day was beautiful. Uh, and then I also realized how much, going to work was an escape. <laughs> I had but with that I had nowhere to go. <laughs> and you know, and I had I had a record I was trying to finish. It was gonna be my quarantine, you know, project. Um but, you know, I, I I'm I'm always faced with this, you know, my daughter's like, Papa, don't play bass. Play with me. You know, and I'm like, okay, you know what? This bass will always be here. She's not going to always be for Asking me to play with her, so you know it's it's been great for our family unit.
4: We got to pay some bills. Malcolm Jamal Warner, more from him on the other side of the break. Be back in a moment. Every
6: champion and carry champion to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected make work.
3: Terms and conditions apply.
4: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Naked. Malcolm is still here sharing and blessing. I hope you enjoy. So over the pandemic, I asked Malcolm, you know, obviously, how are you doing, but what did you do? And he talked about working on his music and his poetry and his spoken word and what it meant to him and how important it was. Now, I don't know about you, but I was today years old when I realized that he has several albums, like he is truly a poet. Uh, And he said, especially during the pandemic, he was able to talk about what a lot of us were feeling using his poetry, Um, especially for the culture, how painful it was. And then I asked him, I said, so what do you enjoy the most? And he says to me, actually, I am a poet who happens to be an actor.
5: I'm a poet. I'm a bass player. I'm a poet. Um, I have a jazz funk spoken word band called Miles Long. Uh, We have got three CDs out. I won a Grammy in 2015 with Layla Hathaway and Robert Glasper. Poetry has always been uh, just a huge part of my expression. My dad went to Lincoln With Gil Scott Heron and Brian Jackson, so I literally came out the womb listening to Gil and listening to the Last Poets. My father went to Lincoln because Langston went to Lincoln. So just from you know my early childhood days, poetry was always a part of my expression. And when spoken words started to become, you know, start to take shape again. In the early 90s, uh, I was very active in the underground spoken word movement in Los Angeles. And, you know, you know, I, I know there are there are a lot of, you know, celebrities who, who, who kind of do poetry and are into poetry. But I, you know, I always make the disclaimer that I am a poet. I'm not a celebrity who does poetry. You know, I spent, uh you know, it. Early nineties, you know, and and it was before before spoken word became cool. Like it was just, you know, just just before that. I'd say we helped make it cool. But you know, I mean, I spent countless nights in poetry spots, always writing, you know, always workshopping my poetry. Whenever I, you know, would be in a different town, um, I'd find the uh, I'd find the poetry venues and make sure I go there to work out. You know, poetry has just always been so it wasn't like, you know, this fad that caught on and, you know, I started doing it. It was, you know, it's always been a huge part. I keep saying a huge part of my expression because it allows me to express myself in ways that I can't as an actor uh, or as a director. I don't think uh, not. I mean, I know every celebrity who does poetry, you know, has not gone through uh through that kind of grind that poets go through, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just booking a feature, and not that he, and not that there are a lot of celebrities who can actually, you know, do a feature set. But I just don't, I don't know of a lot of celebrity. I mean, why am I? Why am I? Why am I blanking right now? Oh my, Amari, Amari Hardwick. So Amari, I, I knew Amari as a poet before I knew he was an actor. Yeah, because I'd see him in LA and we'd be at we'd be at these venues and I always knew Omari as like this really dope poet. Like this dude is fire. And then I happened to back when there were still DVDs, uh, I remember <laughs> seeing some uh straight to DVD movie with Cuba Gooding Jr. and I saw a picture of Omari. I was like, oh Amari's in this? So I, you know, I rented it, put it in and i was like oh omari is an actor <laughs> i was like oh he's not just a dope poet he's an actor so um so not that there aren't other you know celebrities who have you know put in the work whatever but is the only other person i know who has who 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 goes in um Uh, I know for a while Wood Wood Harris also, he would be, you know, uh, he was known for, you know, going out and workshopping uh, his stuff as well.
4: It's interesting because, you know, we are, quote unquote, still in a pandemic, right? We still are in the panorama, as uh, the folks call it. But we are as normal as we can be. This is a part of our lives. And Malcolm uh, has been flourishing prior to and still in terms of working. He's on a show called The Resident. He plays a doctor uh, who is not necessarily well-liked because he is really arrogant and he knows what he's doing and he's the best in his profession. And he is this guy who really, you know, kind of gets on people's nerves, if you will, right? Rubs them the wrong way. But I find it interesting, especially when I speak to actors who love these types of roles, not necessarily a villain, but a departure from whom they are in real life. Uh, And he talks about why he loves being on this show. And the reason why I think it's important that we highlight uh, Malcolm working is because, and I've said this from the beginning, child stars do not have careers that last long, especially in front of the camera. I can count on my hand how many people that I am familiar with, right, um, that, that are doing this successfully and at a high level. And Malcolm is one of a few. And I'm sure there are others, but when I tell you it is hard to do in a town that is so fickle, and they don't like you when you get north of a certain age, or they don't like you if you're not the it person, it really talks about who you are as an actor, your skill set, and why people like working with you. So hats off, kudos, because you are thriving. Take a listen, y'all.
5: So I guess, I guess for some viewers who, who have not seen the show, um, The Resident is a medical drama. I uh, play uh, Dr. A.J. Austin, one of the top thoracic surgeons in the country, and uh what i love about playing this this character is he's a dick. He's brash. He uh is very arrogant because he's one of the best at what he does, but he's not arrogant out of overcompensating. He's just he's he's arrogant because he knows that he is the best at what he does. When he speaks, he does not care for uh, he's always going to speak the truth. So he does not care how the truth uh, lands on one. It's the truth. And you deal with it. He's a guy who just does not care what people think of him, which has been wonderful for me to play, because I often say that uh, playing AJ allows me to be who I don't allow myself to be in real life. it's been great it's been great it's been it's it's been a really good journey and when i started the show i was only supposed to do uh, i was only on for the last three episodes of season one and um it's season five and i'm still there
4: (laughs) congratulations to malcolm jamal Warner. forever theo huxable to me i am sorry i know you hate that because i don't want somebody saying here you forever the sports girl i have other interests other things to do um but What I love about The Cosby Show, and I'm going to go back to that because I really want to be clear, even though I'm not necessarily clear if I'm being honest, I know that that show was woefully important to me growing up. It was, what, late 80s, early 90s. And to see the images of powerful Black excellence week in and week out, I believe, put me on a different trajectory and helped me dream even bigger. And you know I love a dream. Felicia Rashad, Bill Cosby, uh, Lisa Bonet, Malcolm Jamal Warner, they they were a part of my home. They defined how I looked at Black success, a different world based on HBCUs, Cosby's invention. We really have been living our lives uh, through them for so long. And here we are today where there is a generation of folks who only know Bill Cosby as a man who spent time in jail, And has been accused of raping and sexually assaulting women and women and women over the years. Um, It's unfortunate. Two things are unfortunate. Because I do believe most of the women. It is unfortunate that that happened to them. And I am sorry. What I also have a problem with, though, is throwing Bill Cosby away entirely. Canceling him entirely. Because (sighs) bad people can do good things. Or vice versa. Good people can do bad things. And you see, I'm struggling with this as as was Malcolm when he talked about it. And now his relationship with Bill is far different from what I know from watching someone on television. He will say that man changed my life. He will say that man gave me some of the best advice of my life. He is a mentor, someone that I hold in high regard. I am aware of what is happening in the world. And I am sad about what happened to those women but I do know that what this man did for a period of time changed the trajectory for so many of us in the culture. Like I can't emphasize enough what that show meant. There was one sh- one episode, and I still and I talked about it with him. One episode about the Gar- Gordon Gartrell. Gordon Gartrell, y'all yeah, remember that? If you're old enough, you got to know about Gordon Gartrell. Here's the funny part: the Gordon Gartrell story is truly about how his sister Denise wanted to make him a designer shirt for a homecoming dance. And he couldn't afford the Gordon Gartrell original, but she was like, "I'm gonna make it." And it was the most awful, funny, exciting thing I had ever seen. And I remember that episode like it was it was yesterday. I, I well, look when I worked at ESPN with his and hers, we redid that episode, a different world, not necessarily that episode, but we redid a different world based on our familiarity, the love that we had for what those shows represented. Michael Smith dressed up for Halloween one year with the Gordon Gartrell. It was amazing. And again, you have to realize it was just a moment. It was a movement. And so I find myself with these mixed emotions, but really standing more firm on the side of protecting those who can protect themselves. But I still never forget what that show meant to me and why I still have such an affinity for those on that show. And I'm saying it's okay to separate the two. You're not saying one good thing doesn't mean bad things didn't happen. I'm not saying because Bill Cosby put out this amazing show and made sure that we knew about HBCUs and Black culture and Black excellence that he did not harm these women. The two can't exist, sadly. They can coexist. But with that being said, I'd like to talk about what I was able to birth from The Cosby Show, and that was a level of excellence. And I saw it week in and week out with our guest today, Malcolm Jamal Warner. And I said to him, the poet that he is who happens to act, would he do me a favor? Would he allow us to be blessed with one of his poems? Um, and he knew what we would be talking about. He knew what this the show is about. And he knew that... Um, people would have mixed emotions about what he has to say about Bill Cosby but he had a beautiful reading which I'll leave you all with and it was specifically about the culture and it was beautiful because it is a a hello a how are you um, you can do it you will do well um, inspiring poem inspiring reading and I appreciate it I'll leave you all with that and Sometimes, you know, on Naked, I'm not able to succinctly say how I feel because I do have mixed emotions and I don't ever want to be on record condemning someone um, for the rest of their lives without adding the nuance that needs to be there. I hope I was able to do that for you all today. Enjoy the reading.
5: It's been far too much time to keep crying about how hard it is to be Black in America. Yet here we are. Tear-streaked and salt-stained faces. Traces of trauma and pain lace our DNA like our black pride is cut and laced with self-hate and we still think it's dope. Just like the music we're programmed to celebrate. Can you tell me the fate of a people who consciously take the bait and embrace the very traits placed upon them by their captors who by design are inclined to keep them believing their second rate? I'll wait. We used to fight for freedom, but now it's like we fight for the right to be dumb for free. Word to ice life. Hear me. We are being hustled. We are being played, our culture on display like the slave trade for the world to devour like a delicious delicacy, while we are left to feed on hopelessness and grief and the belief that beef with people who look just like us should render them obsolete. A hey, grape Kool-Aid tastes great, until you realize it's sweetened with self-destruction and low self-esteem. The system has been set up to shut us out. We are being robbed because we are rich. How many thieves do you know bother to break into an empty house? But we are pushed into prisons of hopelessness and fear. Look around, family. Look around, family. Look around, family. We got to get out of here.
3: Right Rug Flooring.